Hello and welcome to the GP Performance Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Thiel. Today we've got a wonderful topic. We are talking about the art and science of leading high-performing teams. We have a return guest from Buffalo. That's Buffalo, New York, in case you haven't heard that before. Her name is Katie Bailey, and I am honored to have you in the studio today. Katie, thank you for joining us and gracing us with your presence. I am thrilled to be back. Thanks for having me. Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters podcast from GP Strategies, your workforce transformation partner. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts and explore best practices and innovative insights to help your organization improve performance. Well, Katie, um, we're going to get started here. Before we do that, though, I think just to give you a little props and a little buff love here is the fact that, you know, when we do look at your LinkedIn profile, one of the things that you really I want to commend you on is you have a strong commitment to learning in terms of ongoing licensing and certifications. So I noticed that the end of your name on your LinkedIn profile, there's a comma and then there are two professional designations. There's MSOD and then I'm going to say this wrong, but SHRM hyphen CP or SHRM hyphen CP. Can you break those down and tell me what the heck those mean? Oh, that's so funny. And isn't that funny? Because that's like the big LinkedIn debate to like put your credentials or not put your credentials. So no problem. So the alphabet soup of LinkedIn and um, all of the different acronyms. So MSOD stands for Masters of Science and Organization Development. So a degree I obtained from the University of San Francisco that sits behind me. And then the SHRM CP. So you were super close. So this is the Society for Human Resource Management. Um, this is their certification credential um, for human resources. So something that that uh, was my part of my life prior to coming into GP Strategies. I've kept current on it because I think it's really important. We work with a lot of folks in the HR function um, and staying up to speed with what's happening in that world is actually really critical for our clients and customers. Well, I was going to say as a consultative learning strategist, yep. that is a perfect, perfect background on that end. So, you know, today's topic and the thing we asked you to come on and, and riff on with me is really this idea of leading high-performing teams. And so the question I really had for you is kind of what's the fire? I mean, why focus on teams now? What's the urgency? It's a great question. I think that there's always, I mean, it's always an important time to talk about teams, right? And team dynamics. But I think what makes right now so unique is just where we are um, in the world of work. So I, I, I don't have direct statistics on this, but I would venture to guess that we're in a point of time where perhaps there are more newly formed teams than at many other points in time in history, right? So if you think about it, we have organizations that have restructured uh, due to COVID or maybe some of the after effects. So you've got teams that maybe are different sizes, organizations upsize, they downsize. Some organizations change their geographic footprint. Some organizations went and changed the location, um, the physical location of where their employees are. Some of them aren't meeting physically anymore. We certainly saw a lot in terms of talent mobility this year. So people changing jobs and coming into new organizations and new teams being formed and new leaders. So for all of those reasons, and I'm sure some more that I can't think of, we are at a point in time where new teams are forming and they're doing work more quickly and they have to do it in perhaps different ways than ever before, leveraging different types of technology and different geographic or physical setups. So I think it's the perfect time to talk about what makes a high performing team and what the leader's role in that is. I think I could second that. I mean, we've been seeing this, this great resignation concept and all of the tsunami ripple effects that it's mm -hmm. had right here. So if we look at this then, 
Um, let's talk about a couple of the things that maybe you're seeing as a learning strategist confidentially that are going wrong. So what are some of the common stumbles that leaders are making when it comes to leading their teams? Yeah, no names will be mentioned. It's okay. You yes, know, some of this, confidential. Some of, this, <laughs> some of this is rooted in practice and some of it's actually rooted in research. We did some research last year about common leadership stumbles and successes just in general. Some of the most common leadership stumbles uh, were, were, that really came to light, this may or may not be a surprise, but um, communication, and decision-making were two big things that when we asked people, what were the biggest stumbles that you saw leaders make? Uh, that's one of the things that came to life. And in the inverse, and I know we'll get there, but in the inverse, we talked about, you know, what does a leader do well, a good leader do well? Um, communication also came up on that list as well. So it's, it's like the best of times and the worst of times. But, you know, <laughs> so that's what our research told us. I, I think in practice, what I hear when I talk to clients and customers, we really talk a lot about um, in some ways, the 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 I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but almost like the rudderless ship. Like we have these teams, and we we really haven't had that moment in time. The flow of business is moving so quickly, and we've got targets. We have all these things we need to do, but like maybe we also just need to stop and pause and figure out who we are as a team. How do you know what are the goals we want to accomplish? So I always liken this to like if you were shooting a bow and arrow, like you could just pick it up and shoot it. But if you took a second to like learn mm. how to learn how to do it and really aim and focus, that shot would be much more effective. And so when I think about leadership development training and team training in general, it really is taking a moment to pause and say, okay, where do we want to go and how are we going to get there instead of just, you know, the ready fire aim approach. I love that. I might have to steal that one about the bow and arrow. It <laughs> makes so much sense when you're saying that, like the, the clarity's coming into mind here. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, Katie. Okay. Is we we talked about some stumbles here, but if you had to break it down and use all of your your combined knowledge and and I would say I don't know if it would be codify this, but what would you say would be like give me like 3 to 4 bullet points of what you would say would be key leadership behaviors that would drive high performing teams. Yeah, I absolutely can do that. And this is this You can is do that? I can. And one of the main reasons why is because this is what we train leaders on, right? So when we bring leaders of teams into our training sessions, we're talking with them about what are those concrete, actionable leadership behaviors that drive high-performing teams. So I would love to share four with you today, if that's okay. And you do it. I have got a pen and paper right now. Okay. So I am I am your student and I'm writing things <laughs> down right now. Okay. Okay. So there's there's always going to be an infinite number of things that leaders can do, but I'm going to give you four categories of things under which, of course, there's probably a, a billion sub bullets. But one okay. Of the big, okay, here we go. One of the biggest things that leaders can do in terms of building and forming a, a high performing team is the concept of building trust. Um, so obviously that, that trust and that dyadic relationship that they're forming with the people that they lead. The second part of that, and there's a lot of individual components that come into that as okay. well as, as the dyadic and we'll get there. The second piece that leaders can do is creating connection, which I think is now more important than ever. There's so much research right now about people craving connection, particularly in this remote and virtual and digitally enabled world. So what does that look like from a leadership perspective? So connecting the team to each other, connecting the team to you, all that good stuff. Okay. Um, great leaders also seek alignment. I think this is another really critical piece that we're seeing uh, as a stumble in some of the remote and hybrid 
world is it's difficult to get people on the same page. So your team, okay, you know me, I'm going to keep using these analogies, but you got to row in the same direction, right? So if somebody's rowing over here and somebody's rowing over there, it's really the leader's job to make sure that everybody knows everybody's in the boat. Everybody's got an oar or whatever you row with and everybody's rowing in that mm-hmm. right direction towards that <laughs> common goal. Clearly my, 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 uh, yes, my knowledge in that area is limited, but you're by the great lakes though. So I get it. It's There's true. no problem right true. there. More of a kayak okay. So, yeah. so far you've got building trust, you've got creating connection, seeking alignment. Yes. And you'd mentioned four is there going to be a fourth yeah. one here for me. Okay. I commend, I commend both your memory and your note-taking skills. So thank you. <laughs> um, and yeah, so the fourth one, and this hopefully will be music to people's ears. It's the concept of driving results, right? So you could be the best team in the universe and you could have all this trust and a great relationship, but if you don't get things done, if you're not working to achieve your goals and work in the greater service of the organization, what are you doing? Um, and of course, the inverse is true. You could be a highly effective team when it comes to results. But if there's no trust, if there's no alignment, if there's no connection, how sustainable is that? How great of an experience or not is that for the people on your team? And how likely is that to last? Okay, so we've got four good <sighs> things to to riff on here. This podcast is shaping up here. I mean, this is fantastic. So <laughs> I'm going to challenge you here. I want to go back to that first one, which was building trust. So unpack this a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. Give us a little bit of essence of what what is coming off of that. Yeah. So trust is one of those really interesting words, right? You could ask 10 people what trust means and every person could have a different a different, you know, a definition of that. We talk about this a lot in leadership training. We also talk about how Trust is almost like a continuum, right? And some people start, if you're thinking about it from like no trust to full trust, some people start at full trust and they say, I'm going to trust you until you give me a reason not to, right? Mm. Other people might start much more guarded and say, I ain't going to trust you until time and experience tells me that I should and everywhere in between. So as a leader, it can be really challenging when you've got people all along the, the continuum of trust. And really, I think what it comes down to are a few key elements. Um, consistency, right? So there's there's credibility and consistency, I think, as a leader. You know what you're doing. Um, you're consistently doing what you say you're going to be doing, and you're working to form relationships with people. So I think a lot of times there's a lot of work that a leader does on their own. So like, uh, who are you authentically? Like, who are you? And then showing up in that authentic way, right? So being mm. true in your words and actions, being authentic to who you are, showing yourself with what we love to call that relevant vulnerability. Those are all opportunities and touch points for you to build trust, um, to maintain trust or to rebuild trust if you're in a relationship where trust has been broken. That, that is just awesome stuff. I'm writing as fast as I can on that one. You do I mean, know this there, is recorded, right? You've got you. Oh, oh, that's right. I forgot I am recording this, but you know what? <laughs> I am a student at heart. I like to write things. It I locks into it. my mind here. There's so many good things there. So unpack the second one that you had of essentials, creating connection. Tell me more about that. Yeah, creating connection. As I mentioned before, I would say this is one of the the biggest areas of requests that we're getting from clients and customers right now, just about how do we forge connection in this, uh, in whatever the workplace climate is. So, but in general, what this means for a leader of a team is what are the relationships that you are building? What are the opportunities that you're providing for people to connect with each other, both 
on work-related stuff and perhaps the outside of work stuff as well, which we know, you know, form those bonds, which help increase um, morale and engagement. So, you know, even things like the, the not so great stuff, when conflict arises, how is it managed and dealt with? Um, hmm. How are team members developed and coached? How is a leader or is a leader working to form uh, like a psychologically safe environment or an inclusive environment where people really feel like they can be connected, they can be themselves? And so, again, this there's there's that authenticity thread that I think you see come through with trust, but that creating connection, I think it's all about what is a leader doing to cultivate uh, that environment, but then also, again, respond appropriately when conflicts arise and then provide those opportunities for formal and informal connection. Mm. This is this is so good. Now, one of the things I remember you saying earlier when it came to the third point, which was seeking alignment, was yeah. really just making sure everyone's rowing in that, that same direction. So good yeah. job for the analogy. It stuck in yes. my mind. Thank you. Tell me a little bit more about seeking alignment. Yeah, this is this is really critical. So and I think especially because we have so many new team members, whether you're the leader or a team member, not a lot of org, a lot of organizations don't have like well documented, um, whether it's onboarding processes, or um, even just the, inf- the ability to share information and knowledge, where is information stored? What is the source of truth? Who and where <laughs> can I go to? So and this is problematic, right? Because If you don't have, you know, maybe there's antiquated files or, you know, things where we haven't trained people appropriately on the technology that they need to do their jobs, this could be a huge struggle and a huge impediment to getting people on the same page. Again, with that quick pace of work, gosh, we've got targets to hit, we've got things to get done. It's really important to take a pause and make sure people are on the same page. So this, I think, I think about this in two ways. One is the concept of the new employee and making sure that they're appropriately onboarded. They have access to the resources, tools, and people they need to get their job done. And they know where to go if they don't have those things. But I think about this in uh, also in uh, the area of a team as well, of taking that pause and thinking, where is it that we want to go? What are the things we're looking to accomplish? What are the overarching organizational or business strategies that are driving us to get there? Um, and then and then the how, right? How are we going to get there? How do we make decisions? <laughs> who's accountable? So you think about that racy matrix, right? Who's responsible? Who's accountable? Like who's in- consulted? Who's informed? Um, how do we communicate about things? What's our meeting cadence? Um, what you know? How do we know when our results have been achieved, and how are we measuring that? So really, it's all about. I think the key to alignment is communication, right? The key is. Hmm you know, bringing your people together, communicating with them, making sure that they have access to those resources and things they need to get their job done. You know, this reminds me a lot of um, that instructional design challenge of documenting how do you tie your shoes? Mm -hmm. So there's something you just do normally, but when you actually have to break it down and you have new hires coming in and you've forgotten about oh, this is where you find information about even what's the division codes, you know, who who to contact, what's, uh, you know, how do you spec out a proposal? And, you know, it's going from tribal knowledge to indexed curated knowledge. And somebody has to be thinking about that. And ideally, it's it's a leader on that end. 
So I, that's, can I just say, oh. <laughs> I love that you said this because so in the learning world, what we call this is the curse of knowledge. You forget <laughs> over time what it was like to be new at something. You forget. And that curses then as you try to explain that to someone else, this happens in learning too, right? What was it like when you didn't know how to tie your shoes? What was it like if you were a new student on a college campus and you didn't know where the student union was? Mm -hmm. Everybody was there at that time. But what happens is as time goes by, we forget what it was like to not know. And then sometimes when people come behind us, if we haven't thoroughly documented those processes or tapped into that experience, they're going to have the same experience, which is what we don't want to happen. Um, <laughs> so that's just I love that you brought that up because that's so, well, so, so true. What, what you're hitting me with here is, you know, as a leader, you're generally more knowledgeable, you're more accomplished, or at least you've been there longer, you've been there, done that. And then it's easier to forget about that and then cause misalignment on that. And so there's so much there. I'm going to have to keep asking you more about this. This yeah, is a podcast, yeah. so we don't have commercials. We'll, we'll unpack this as we go here. <laughs> Let's talk about the last one though, because you did have four really nice points there and the last yeah. one was driving results. So tell me more about what's underneath that. Oh, for sure. So again, this is, this is really, this is really where the rubber meets the road, right? So this is this is often the metric that you know teams and and individuals and leaders on teams are looked at as like, did you achieve your results, right? You know, bottom line. We know there's a lot of things that underpin that that make that maybe a more successful endeavor than others. But when you think about driving results and just isolating that, it really is simple. Did you achieve your goals? Mm -hmm. um, are you working on the right things? Are you focusing on what's important? Um, when we talk about employee engagement and we talk about um, the concept of the X model, right, where it's that organization striving for success and we, you know, as leaders need to be able to equip our people to drive to those higher levels uh, of contribution to help the organization get where they need to go. Um, that's really, it's really common actually that people might be working really hard but they might not be working on the right thing, right? Or where the organization needs us to be focused. And so a leader, a big part of a leader's role is understanding, unpacking and communicating organizational strategy to their employees and helping employees understand how their role or their tasks or their projects fit into that larger strategy. So that's a huge piece, I think, of leadership um, of leadership behavior that can really drive an effective team, team. When people know they're not just in the boat and they're rowing in the same direction, they know what they're rowing towards. They can see the finish line or the checkpoint. Um, mm. And I think it's really the leader's job to be at the forefront there and, and translating that for them. Oh, and I can see that by as a leader saying, okay, there's a, there's a, there's a clear line between just activity and results. And yes. here are the type of things that, that we really need to prioritize in a work week. And, you know, let's say, are you, are you trending that way? And, and really just sit, seeking that clarity. Is that fair to say? It is. And I like that you use the term clarity. I mean, we hear a lot about like accountability and that's a fine word. It can, it can carry some weight to sometimes, <laughs> but I think, yeah, just that clarity. And then also I think the, the understanding of like right now it, there's, there's a need to be agile, right? Sometimes those goals hmm. and priorities change. Sometimes the wind shifts and we got to row in a different direction. Well, oh, that's sailing, but you know what I mean? Absolutely. Okay. So you've done a nice job of really breaking down a lot of things. We've talked about results here. So let's think about what leaders can take from this insight and translating that into action. So mm -hmm. how in your mind can leaders improve on these specific behaviors? And, and specifically the things for me that I had down were trust, connection, alignment, and results. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. What are gotcha. some first steps? 
Ooh, yeah, I think a really first important step for leaders is understanding what is their current baseline in these areas and really taking an honest assessment of where they are and how they're performing. And I think there's a variety of ways to do that, both formalized and informal. Um, so one of the things we do, we have a leading high-performing teams course. And one of the things that we do is actually have a leader self-assess themselves on these four components. And then they get feedback from their team. And so they can really take this snapshot of, hey, how do I think that I'm doing right now? How does my team think that we're doing in these same areas? And then compare and look at those alignment and gap areas, which can be a very mm. valuable experience for a leader. Absent that, again, I think some of the keys lies in some, some good self-analysis and some good communication. If you want to know what's happening on your team, ask. If you're working towards building trust, um, maybe trust has been broken. I think there's a, there's a piece where leaders can come and um, when they really think about being authentic and setting forward, what's their vision for the team? You know, I know we may not be there right now, but my goal is that we have a team where we trust each other, we communicate, we connect with each other, and we we have this, you know, safe and productive environment in which we get our work done. You know, let's get there together. So I think there's a vulnerability sometimes that leaders can show that can actually help and, and help people bring along bring along with them because I don't think the onus is necessarily all on the leader in that regard. Right. You know what you're saying, and this is totally gonna be so crazy out of my mind. Okay. I might be going, where's Mike going with this? I'm ready. But one of the things that you're talking about here is as a leader is being authentic. And even when you're off track, this reminds me of something. This is about maybe five or six years ago, but Domino's Pizza relaunched a campaign about five or six years ago where they admitted in their commercials, uh, these were the problems. Uh -huh. You know, they would show quotes of people saying, your pizza tastes like cardboard. The, uh -huh. the sauce is terrible. You know, your, your deliveries, I don't ever know when the pizza's coming. And, um, you know, one of the things, it's almost that mea culpa type concept. It was, we've listened to you. Now we, we want to do something about it. Here's what we've done. And they've had a pretty big turnaround as a business on that side. So if you are uh, a Domino's executive and you're listening to this, give GP a call. We're tuned in to you here. But everything you're saying, I've seen in practice. And, and I can also see that as a leader that if you say, here's my vision, here's where we want to go, we're not there yet. What do we as a team need to do to get there? You're going to get a lot of buy-in, aren't you? Again, two things. One is it reduces the, the onus on the lead, leader as having to be this like sole source of knowledge. That's not necessarily true. And when you bring people with you and you involve them in the process, you create that buy-in. So I love that example that you brought forward. And I think that brings up just another quick, important point is sometimes we can use things like surveys, like engagement surveys or, or employee feedback surveys or exit interviews or whatever as a great excuse or opportunity to bring people together hey, it you know, seems like we're doing great on communication. It looks like we, we need to improve on our resources. Let's talk about that. What does that look like? And let's set that as our goal for the next quarter. So we can actually, you know, employ or equip leaders to use those data points to drive conversation with their employees. You know, right now, this is kind of more of formal leadership. I mean, how would you translate this to more ad hoc teams or, you know, ready-made project teams? Oh, what are some yeah. thoughts on that? Oh, great question. This is so big with our clients. So what it's like, well, we need a program for informal leaders or we need a program for matrix leadership. And we need, you know, and you know what the best part is? It's pretty much all the same skills, right? The difference, there's literally one difference. It's positional authority. Um, and that's fine, right? So sometimes a, a leader of a project team or a leader of an ad hoc team or a committee or even an employee resource group or whatever the gathering of folks might be may lack that 
formal positional hierarchical authority that the traditional um, manager employee relationship right uh, contains. That doesn't necessarily mean that any of the leadership behaviors are actually different. So I think I think there's a piece of, you know, we talk about influencing without authority. Yeah, that's a little bit different than influencing with authority. But some of those key pieces like authenticity, effective communication, relationship building and trust, that is all the same. It's a Venn diagram with a very tiny a Venn diagram with very <laughs> tiny outsides and a super big core middle where it's whether your mm. team is formal or informal. Um, there is there are a lot of commonalities between the leadership behaviors that people can do. Well, and I ask that because at GP, we are a team of 4,200 plus global employees, and it is almost kind of like, um, uh, what was it, the Super Friends from, you might be a little too young to remember the Super Friends, but from uh -huh. the early 80s, there nope. was Aquaman nope. and Superman and Green Lantern, and they, oh, would, no. they would occasionally join up to tackle a job. And I feel like that's us at GP is, you know, <laughs> there's projects that'll happen and you'll pull in somebody from the media team, somebody from, you know, leadership development. And you've got these ad hoc teams where it's not formally, you know, yeah. Katie is the leader here. You've got, you know, five yes. or six peers that are, have superpowers in their own world. And everything you're saying right now is I'm, I'm like, Hey, those things could really work. In just a team, maybe if it's a team that's put together for a proposal and it's a two-week team, but everything you're saying would lead to drive greater results there. So thank you for sharing on that. Such good stuff, Katie. So Great let me call, ask yeah. you this. In terms of this concept, if we have these ad hoc teams and, um, and you're thinking about this, we've got leaders, but what can team members do to further boost the, this overall leadership concept? Yes, I'm glad you asked that question because I think, you know, again, we fall into the trap sometimes of thinking that the leader has, you know, the the sole responsibility for driving the team. And that's not true, right? Just like we say about career development, just like we say about employee engagement, this is everybody's job. Um, and before I lunge into that, I just want to say what you were talking about, some of those temporary or shorter term or ad hoc teams. Mm -hmm. I got two things for you. Ready? Goal clarity and role clarity. Bam. If people mm. know what they need to achieve and they know who's responsible for achieving it especially for those shorter term things that to me, that is like when it gets down to it and it's like, yeah, you got to drive those results pretty quickly. You got to get that proposal in. you got to get that presentation done, whatever it might be, goal clarity, role clarity and go. Um, so, so definitely I think for those shorter term teams, that's something to keep in mind, but, but again, it's, it's everybody's responsibility. Um, and so it might be the leader's uh, charge to seek alignment for the team and to chart that direction. But if you're a team member and you don't know, there's also a responsibility incumbent upon you to ask, right? If there is a policy that's set forth that you don't understand, if there is, you know, maybe a break in morale or a budding conflict, what are the roles that you, you know, that you have as a team member uh, to address that, to mitigate that, to, you know, reflect what you've decided in terms of uh, right. your core values or ways of working as a team together? Um, I think every person on the team has a responsibility and an ability uh, to be able to serve in that capacity. And, and to your point there, if you're talking about goal clarity and role clarity, which sounds like a great t-shirt, by the way. I just made it up. Saying. I don't know. Yeah. I know. Seriously, you've got a gift there. Let's get a screen printer and uh, let's start <laughs> knocking off t-shirts. But it sounds like if, if you're saying as a leader, you could help your team by saying, here's your role. We want you to speak up. If you see something, say something. If we're, if we're tracking wrong, don't suffer in silence, right? Let's yeah. let's speak up and be honest. And that would be setting that environment, which was right mm -hmm. up there at the top. Mm -hmm. So 
let's let's shift this then to probably I'm going to say the biggest blessing, but also the biggest challenge of the past. You know, it's hard to believe, but you know, three years if you count 2020, 2021, 2022, mm-hmm. it's probably dog years, like 20 years right uh-huh. now. But and that is the rise of remote teams and hybrid teams. I mean, the mm-hmm. fact is, you can get so much done at home. You're at home. I'm at home. But everything that you're saying is choirs of angels, all the challenges um, out there. So there's all kinds of things. So how does, you know, hybrid and remote realities factor into this high-performing team leadership in your mind? Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 everything and nothing at the same time, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, that, that sounds like a cop-out answer. But, I mean, so many of the core components of what leaders need to do or what the leadership behaviors are have not changed. Leaders have always needed to build trust. They've always needed to drive results, create connections, seek alignment. In a hybrid and remote world, the how is really what's different. And this touches mm. on, I think, some topics that we've talked about in previous podcasts and articles and, um, you know, about is if you have a hybrid team where you see some people physically and, and don't see other people, um, how equitable is that relationship between people that you see and don't see? If you're only in, if your definition of hybrid is you're in the office three days a week, but home for two, are you prioritizing that in-person synchronous time with each other to do things that are maybe more um, better suited to that time. How are you leveraging technology? Technology is huge, particularly when collaborating in a virtual world. So do you have do you have the necessary tools? Does everybody know how to use them? Um, and so are you, are, and are you, and I can't believe the number of clients, like they don't know, like, oh, we have a license for, you know, they don't, may not even know that they have access to something that could actually make their collaboration and communication experience a lot better. So I think that's a, that's a key thing. Um, and yeah, falling into the trap of like, yes, you can get more work done at home, but not necessarily using that as an excuse to like, pump your people for around the clock contributions. So that's a great thing that a leader, when we talk about alignment, what does that look like? If I send you an email at midnight, my time, that's not necessarily me expecting you to respond (laughs) at midnight, your time, right? But so, you know, setting some of those, you know, team norms, or even like, some teams even go through a formal chartering exercise, right? About what the communication expectations or, um, you know, uh, you know, norms and expected behaviors are. Hmm. This is so good. For me, the big takeaway there is the what hasn't changed, right? Good leadership is good leadership, but it's the day-to-day execution, the tactics. As you said, the how has has really changed. And, you know, it's funny. Everything you're mentioning is exactly what I'm on the innovation team. We've got a meeting set up here uh, next, actually next week to do exactly the things you're talking about. So it feels really good to say, Hey, we're tracking, we're doing Yay. some, we're doing things, dad, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we're doing things, we're, we're chartering and all those kind yep. of, I don't know if you can turn that into a verb or not. Yes, but. you can. You absolutely can. <laughs> okay. So obviously with the great resignation, there's a lot of newly formed teams. So let's just say Katie, uh, that I've been tabbed, and it would t- be a terrible mistake to do this, by the way. But <laughs> I'm tabbed to 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 be a leader, and I've got a newly formed team, and it's all around the world, or you know, it's not all conveniently in one place here. So, what would be some things that you'd say, just right out of the gate, up and running, that you could recommend to help me out? Yeah, I think for a new leader of a team like that all over the world. 
you have to see the forest and the trees as an effective leader. And so when I say that, I think about the forest, like again, those overarching outcomes, goals, the role of the team in the greater organizational initiatives, what you're expected, you know, all the tactical nuts and bolts and some of the theoretical stuff as well. But the forest is made up of trees. Those trees are your people. So who are they? Um, get So I think sometimes as leaders, we we tend to have a bias to launch into action. And I think that can be a mistake. I think we need to launch instead into connection. So the ability to get to know people, to build their mm. trust, to understand. And this can this can pay off in a variety of different ways. So I think, you know, leaders can learn a lot about their people, not just about, as I like to say, what makes them tick and what ticks them off, but also what they're good at, right? So you may have a, a hidden gem that you never even knew. Wow, you're great at, you know, podcast guesting or whatever and then they become you know your go-to podcast i'm not saying about me personally but you know hint, the, hint. no no but what are the skills and interests of the people on your team and are you know this is another question we ask in our engagement survey you know people constantly consistently say i want more opportunities to do what i do best as a leader do you even know what that is and is what someone does best is that what they really want to be doing are there other things that could potentially stoke their fire so i think it's that bias it's balancing connection and action but really as a new team getting to know the people individually so your trees seeing that force and then i think some some formal pieces like um, you know, how are we going to communicate with each other, potentially going through a chartering process what are our goals mission vision you know ways of working i think can be really valuable that's that's so interesting. Now, let me just give you a little slight nuance on that. So we're going to put a little, okay. little lemon in that. Okay, okay, if you're a leader and you're coming into an intact team, so truly mm-hmm. it's not an all-new team, you're the new kid on the block, to use mm-hmm. a reference from the, the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Now that one uh, any got. nuance okay. changes? Okay, you got that one. Good. Uh-huh. What, what would be something you would say would be a slight twist to what you've just talked about? Yeah, I think there's still... There's still that need to communicate with people. I would say for a leader coming into an intact team, it's the old uh, two ears, one mouth. Listen, there's Mm. a lot that your people can teach you. So I think, again, the leader should not come in necessarily thinking that they have to know everything. They have to solve everything, even if they come into a dumpster fire, right? Like even like <laughs> even if they've been brought in to solve some significant problems, one of the most important things a new leader can do or a leader of an of a of an intact team is listen to their team members, ask thoughtful questions, really listen to and care about the answers. And when you do that, those elements of high performance, you're going to build trust with people. You're going to create connection with people. You're going to seek alignment. And then ultimately, you're going to get those results from those people you've built those great relationships with. Katie, you've been so gracious with your time. Let me ask you one little nuance change to this then. We've been talking a lot about uh, as organizations look to support their leaders in building high-performing teams. But what about high-performing cultures? So let's just take this up to that next level here. What advice do you have for learning and development teams working on their leadership development programs, eh, let's say, for the coming years? Yes, this is a great question. So I think sometimes there is, there's a chicken and an egg uh, debate when it comes to culture. So is it that great leaders create strong cultures? Or do strong cultures mm. create strong leaders? And I think that that's a really, I don't, I don't know the answer to that necessarily. I just, I think that's a really compelling discussion to have. But I think one of the best things that I can advise, um, you know, some of the clients and uh, prospects that I talk with is as you're charting strategy, 
don't lose sight of the audience that you're working with. So, and, and, and not only don't lose sight, involve and engage them if possible in the process. Some of the most successful initiatives that I've worked on have, have brought in beyond just the L and I say this with all due respect, right? With just the L and D team, they're bringing their leaders in and saying, what is it that you need? What's going well that we want to replicate? Where are the gaps that we want to fill? So mm. they're doing surveys, they're doing listening groups, they're inviting them to come into the meetings, they're piloting initiatives before rolling them out. So it's a very thoughtful, intentional, strategic approach that involves and engages people and actually kind of builds learning champions throughout the organization, which can be a great way for an organization to start building that learning culture. Absolutely. Okay. So Katie, we've talked about so much today here. I want to just go back to these these four key points mm -hmm. just to recap this for those that are driving. And remember, you can always pause this. You can go back and take notes. That's the benefit nobody. of a podcast. Um, so the key things you really talked about here today, if we're just kind of summing this up here, great leaders are going to build trust. They're going to create connection. They're going to look to seek alignment and they're going to ultimately focus the team on driving results. So that is just, that's gold that you spun here. I know you've, that's a born of the product of a lot of research on your side. Thank you so much on behalf of our many listeners for being so gracious with your time, Katie. We appreciate you. Absolutely a pleasure. Right back at you. And go Bills, always and forever. The Performance Matters podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts or listen on our website at gpstrategies.com.